fasten your seatbelts and turn up your radio. We are going on a road trip. Wisconsin is known for what it's produces dairy, lumber, and beer, but the state is also famous for its play, fishing, hunting, camping, and of course, the Green Bay Packers. For so many reasons, the Badger State is one of a kind, and twice each week, WPR's Wisconsin Life shares the stories that illustrate so clearly just what makes the state so special. Welcome to Route 51, I'm Shereen Seward. We invite you to join in this discussion today by calling us at 800-780-9742 or email questions and comments to ideas at WPR.org. Today we're excited to share with you a behind the scenes look at WPR's Wisconsin Life through the eyes of the people who bring the program's colorful stories to us with a wide range of perspectives. Later in the program, we'll hear from WPR Assistant News Director Rob Menser about his own experience documenting the Wisconsin experience. But first, we welcome the program's executive producer, Maureen McCollum, to the program. Maureen, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Shereen. I'm very excited. I've been really looking forward to this program because I love Wisconsin life. And I, I just, I, I think about it, like, how do you get these ideas and who started it? Like, who, who thought, let's do this thing and make it happen? All right. So about 11, 12 years ago or so, um, two of our colleagues at Wisconsin Public Radio and Strange Champs, who works on To the Best of Our Knowledge, and Erica Janik, one of our former colleagues, uh, they got together and decided, you know, we need to find a new way to tell stories on the radio. Um, around this time, I was on the news department, or I was in the news department. And so, you know, as a news reporter, often you're doing feature reporting on the news of the day, whatever beat it is that you're covering. And, um, you know, there wasn't a lot of room for these stories that really dug into who we are as Wisconsinites or to really highlight just these amazing, like, cultural things that are going on. And um, so they'd pitched the idea of Wisconsin life. And here we are, you know, 11, 12 years later. And I'm just so happy it's still going because I love that we're able to bring these stories to the air. As you said, the stories about the people, places, history, culture of Wisconsin. This is a collaborative effort, too, with PBS Wisconsin. So how does that work? So uh, the program started, Wisconsin Life started as a radio series. And I think a lot of people saw the potential there. And PBS Wisconsin said, you know what? We should turn this into a television show too. So uh, they put out stories um, through their season, which usually airs in the fall and winter. And then Wisconsin Life on the radio side, we go all year long, two stories a week, as you said. And one of the best ways that we collaborate is generally through an animation. Uh, television does two animations every year. And oftentimes they're based on radio stories. So it might be an essay that a writer in Wisconsin wrote or a personal story that someone shared. And it's just so amazing to see this radio story that, you know, you kind of have this intimate relationship with anyway, since radio is such an intimate uh, medium, but then to see it come to life as an animation in this incredibly creative way is so cool. It's one of my favorite things that Wisconsin Life does. Well, let's jump into the stories. One of your yeah. favorites centers on tea and family traditions. I want to play a brief clip from that piece right now, if I can do that. Let's see if it'll work the way I want it to. The chopaje yes. was our family's medicine rock. This white clay-like crystal my mother would scrape into a powder before boiling it into a tasteless tea. Then she'd order me to drink and ask no questions. My mother comes from a long line of healers. She is an herbalist who interprets dreams. I happen to be the skeptic of all things. 
So tell us about that story and what led Wisconsin Life to it. Yes, this story was written by Yea Lore. She's a writer who lives in Eau Claire, and it's called My Mother's Tea. This is one of my favorite stories because uh, I think it's very relatable on so many levels. How many of us have been skeptical of these things that our parents do as children? And then as we get older, we're like, oh, wait. Yes. That's actually really amazing. Or this <laughs> dish that they make is actually really delicious. And I just love, I think Yia is such a beautiful writer. And I love the way that she kind of walks us through this process of how, you know, she felt when she was a child and now how she felt feels now and how she has this like, you know, new thing that she can connect with her mother with, with making tea and just learning about her mother's connection to tea. And that's why I think that this story is so beautiful. And again, like I said, it's so relatable on many ways. Oh, I know. I'm constantly saying I'm turning into my mother. I, I don't know what like we all are. <laughs> well, what do you I have to note, like, yeah, yeah, won like two awards for this story too. So, oh yeah, yeah I'm just, Everything she writes is so amazing and so beautiful. So yeah, if you're listening, I can't wait for your next story. Well, and what do you think that this story says about kind of Wisconsin's blended cultural traditions and how they're kind of passed down from generation to generation? Right. So Yia's parents grew up in Laos, and um, she has another story that we recently re-aired about um, her family's journey from Laos to a refugee camp in Thailand in the 1970s. Um, you know, they moved to Eau Claire then, I believe, in the 1990s or so. And so Yia talks about just how her her mom is trying to, like, hold on to this identity, uh, this connection with Laos and, and just all the traditions that she had there and how to incorporate that into her life in Eau Claire. And I think that is really beautiful that she's found this this space to kind of make it happen and to have these cultural traditions live on within her own family. And of course, Native American culture is enormously significant in Wisconsin and part of our, you know, our state's cultural identity. So this piece I, I thought was really interesting. It comes to us from Lac de Plombo. You know, it's a celebration of life. Everybody gets together, you know, they sing their songs, everybody dances. And, and if they're hearing good music, yeah, you know, they no feel... Oh, unless there's a drum. Man, it's, it's a good feeling. Yep, it's a good feeling. Tell us a little bit more about this story and, and what, it, what, is, what is it really about? Yes. So I love any music story. I'm kind of a music nerd. Um, and I think music just as a way to br bring us together is just, it's such an easy thread to connect us all. And I love hearing about a musician's creative, creative process as well, because it's so hard to describe like what it is that, why it is that you're drawn to something, but you know, as he talks about in that clip, like, there's no powwow unless there's a drum. Like, I, I mm -hmm. love that. Like, oh, yeah, that, that is true. Like, the drum is the, the centerpiece, the heartbeat of a powwow and so much music in general. This story itself came uh, to us from a project called Sounds Like Home. And that was this podcast series that was created by some folks at the Chippewa Valley Museum. If you go to their website, there's actually a number of different kind of stories similar to this. So you hear about polka musicians. Um, you know, you can hear the longer version of this story about the Tomahawk Circle. And uh, I'm just very lucky that they reached out to us and said, hey, we have this story. Can you maybe share it with a wider audience? And, you know, connections with the people like uh, with the folks at the Chippewa Valley Museum. Um, there's another other organizations that we partner with across the state. 
I'm just really fortunate that we're able to take some of these stories and bring them to a wider audience um, so that Wisconsinites can learn from one another more. How important do you think it is to to give a voice to uh, the people in Native American communities and let them tell those stories in their own voices, not have us tell them for them, but have them tell them themselves? Oh, it's extremely important. I mean, you know, I am not a member of an indigenous tribe, and so I don't necessarily know how to tell someone's story in the best way. I will obviously try as hard as I can. And and one of the things that I do radio is to help people understand one another, but there's going to be details that I miss. So to have someone come to me and say, I want to tell this story about myself. Uh, I want to tell this story about my neighbor. I think that's really important. Um, you know, through Wisconsin Life, we have, and, and I know we'll listen to some later, but we let writers write essays so they can write about themselves or write about someone who's really important to them. And I love providing that space because uh, while it goes through like maybe a stylistic edit with me, it's kind of an unfiltered look into their life and them explaining who they are instead of, you know, me going and telling their story as well. So it's good to have that fine balance, but it's extremely important to have um, just different people talking about their lives, whether you're a member of the indigenous community, if you're a Polish immigrant, if you are anyone. I mean, we'll take stories from anyone on Wisconsin Life, as long as you live in Wisconsin. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. of course, another big Wisconsin thing is baseball. We have a long history of yes. baseball here. And an interesting connection with Hank Aaron. Let's listen to that. Hank Aaron was thankful for his time in Wisconsin. A little town called Eau Claire and the city of Milwaukee helped to shape my dreams. Hank was unprepared for this northern town, and Eau Claire was just as unprepared for Hank. But a funny thing happened in the summer of 1952. Eau Claire and Hank Aaron got along. Tell me a little bit more about the, the Eau Claire connection for Hank Aaron. It's, it's not the first Wisconsin city we think of when we remember Hank Aaron. Exactly. Yeah, so Hank Aaron started his career playing for, um, I think they called them farm teams back in the day. And so, you know, he had moved from Alabama to Eau Claire to play on this baseball team. And this story was written by Dean Robbins, who's one of my favorite contributors for Wisconsin Life. Dean has this knack for taking these like moments in pop culture history in Wisconsin and writing around them. And so I remember when I first came across this story, it's like, I had no idea Hank Aaron played in Eau Claire. You yeah. know, of course, I know about the Milwaukee connection, but just to be able to, to listen to Dean's story and almost put yourself in that space with Hank Aaron in the 1950s in Eau Claire is so neat. And this story, we actually re-aired it in 2021, shortly after Hank Aaron had passed away. And um, so... Our producer, Brad Kohlberg, who also works in the program, was able to find that speech that Hank Aaron had given at Marquette University to just bring his voice into the story as well and, and to provide this remembrance for Hank. Because, um, you know, I think a number of, of stories had really centered on Hank's uh, career in Milwaukee at that time. But we were like, OK, we got to remind people that he was in Eau Claire, too. And just the massive impact that this person had nationally, globally, you know, but but what sort of impact did he have locally too? And that's why I love stories like this. What kind of reaction do you get from stories like that? I mean, from from the, the listening public? Do, do people come to you and say, oh my gosh, I never knew that before? What happens? Yeah, yeah, I get that a lot. Uh, yeah, like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. And I love when that happens because um, 
you're learning something and you're learning something fun. And maybe it's getting you to think a little differently about, you know, a moment in history or, I mean, even if it is something as, as sort of simple as like Hank, your Hank Aaron's career, who, I mean, it's not simple. I mean, he had such a, he was such a force of nature and, um, yeah, I just, but I just love that though. When someone's like, I never thought about that or, or maybe if it's something a little deeper, like, um, you know, as we talk about the the story, like my mother's tea, like, oh, I never thought about why someone from Laos would stay connected to, you know, making tea for their family. Like, I think that's the most important thing that we can do in this job is just get people to challenge themselves or think a little differently about things. What about you personally? I mean, are there times that you start a story and and it takes you in a completely surprising direction? Uh, that Oh my gosh, yeah, all the time. So I... <laughs> I just uh, last year wrapped up a podcast called uh, WPR Reports Uprooted. It's about Cuban refugees who settled here in Wisconsin in 1980 following the Mariel refugee. I went into that podcast thinking I was going to be doing a short little four and a half minute Wisconsin life story, just about what it was like to go through that experience. And uh, it turned into an eight part podcast. Oh, wow. Because it was a much bigger story to tell and it was so complicated. So yeah, it happens all the time. That's, you know, a very extreme example, but I love when I'm surprised because it challenges my like conceptions and and prejudgments about about things too. So you're listening to Route 51 with our guest, Maureen McCollum. Ahead, we'll hear how people can submit their own stories or questions, and we'll take your suggestions as well today when you call us at 800 780 You can also send an email to ideas at WPR.org. I'm Shereen Seward. This is Route 51 on Wisconsin Public Radio. to Route 51 on Wisconsin Public Radio. I'm Shereen Seward. Now we continue our look at WPR's Wisconsin Life and the impact of the story shared on the twice-weekly program with executive producer Maureen McCollum. Your story ideas are welcome, too. You can email us at ideas at wpr.org or call 800-780-9742. Maureen, what do you think we can learn from these stories? I think just understanding why people do what they do, what drives them to do the things that they're passionate about and why they think certain ways. I think that that's really important. You know, we're living in a time when people are a bit divided to Mm -hmm. say the absolute least. And I think it's, you know, it makes me so sad sometimes, but we have to remember that we all come I mean, most people are coming from a place of love. So maybe if you don't understand why people listen to a particular type of music or do a particular line of work or eat a particular type of food, to hear these stories and maybe understand and have them explain why it is that they listen to that music, eat that food, et cetera, um, that can kind of bring us together and help us think differently about one another instead of judging, 
you know, you may not have to agree with, uh, you know, you might, you might be like, uh, why would you eat a cheeseburger when hot dogs are the best? But if someone explains to you, this is why I really like cheeseburgers, you're like, oh, okay, well, I still like hot dogs a lot, but I respect your opinion. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that that's really important. It's, like, I mean, I think that's always been important, but maybe it's more important than ever right now. Well, some of the stories are about individual interesting people, and, and I love those. This story, I love this. It's a story about a man in Chippewa Falls. Let's listen. Generations of Chippewa Falls children knew family doctor Charles Kemper as the Birdman. To call Doc a birder is like saying Fred Astaire was a fine dancer. Tell me about the Birdman. How did you find out about the Birdman? The Birdman, I was not familiar with the Birdman because I have not spent much time in Chippewa Falls. Um, but Patty C., who contributes to Wisconsin Life um, uh, pretty annually, I would say, she had sent me this story that she wrote on Charles Kemper. And um, he's someone who, I think as she put it, he delivered like hundreds, if not thousands of babies in the area. But then he also, you know, worked towards um, saving birds in the area as well. And I think this is a really great example of someone who, sure, a lot of people in Chippewa Falls know who Charles Kemper is. And, but someone like me, who's lived in La Crosse, Madison, Milwaukee, I've never heard of him. And I love that you can take this story of almost like a local celebrity and put him on a statewide level. And then the rest of us who don't know him are able to celebrate him and say, wow, what an amazing life. I mean, and the story was about how he turned 100, which is, we should all be celebrating that. That's amazing. Um, so that's why I love stories like this too, just to hear about interesting people who are doing or have done interesting things in our state and things to make the state a better place too. What are some of the other ways that, that you find out about these stories? Who do, you, do people just come up to you out of the blue and say, hey, I've got this idea for Wisconsin Life. What, what happens? Oh, gosh. I mean, yeah, all the ways. So I have people pitch me story ideas. So sometimes people like Patty C or Yalore, who we heard from, um, they'll email me essays and I'll say, yes, I'll take it or no, I'm sorry. We just don't have space for it right now. Um, that happens, uh, you know, typical press release. Uh, I would say in pre-pandemic times when I was getting out and about more, oftentimes I would just come across story ideas if I met someone, you know, at a restaurant or a bar at a festival or something, or if I saw someone perform, um, you know, I'm, I read quite a bit about what's going on across the state. I also heavily depend on the WPR reporters uh, based across Wisconsin because, you know, I can't know everything everywhere. And when you have eyes on the ground and in different corners of the state, that's extremely helpful. But yeah, I always encourage people to, send ideas that they have, whether, you know, they'd want WPR to pursue the ideas or if they want to pursue the ideas, I'm always open to it. The biggest uh, barrier is always just capacity. Where do they go to submit those stories? Is there a, is there a submission area online you can point people to or? Uh... There is a submission area online. If you just go to wisconsinlife.org, um, there is a button I believe at the top, otherwise they can just email me. Oh yeah, there's a contact us button up at the top of the page. Otherwise they can email wisconsinlife at wpr.org. Um, or if they find me on social media, they can always send messages too. But those are probably the two easiest ways to do it. And you said earlier that really they just have to be from Wisconsin. So are, are there some yes. parts of the state that are 
maybe featured more often or really is it kind of anywhere? Oh gosh, I'll take, I mean, I want stories from anywhere and generally like I'll look at a map and say, huh, we haven't had any stories from Ashland in like six months. Maybe we should look to see what's going on in Ashland or reach out to WPR's reporter up north, Danny Kading, and be like, Danny, what's on your radar? Do you want to do any Wisconsin life stories? Um, you know, you kind of get a lot of Madison heavy stories because WPR has a lot of staff here in Madison. Um, but what's nice with having a lot of the writers be able to contribute, we have writers from across the state submitting stories. So that's nice. But yeah, the places that aren't covered, bring it on. Wonderful. You're more likely to get on then. <laughs> well, another story that was shared on Wisconsin Life is that of a man whose military service led him to become a pastor. He has a really interesting story. Here's a brief clip from that. I pretty much said to God, God, if you can get me out of Iraq alive, when I come back to Wausau, I'll do whatever you want me to do. In January of 2016, I started uh, a church. And so we became multi-ethnic and non-denominational to really try to reach uh, people of all color. So that's Yao Yang. Tell us about, about him. Yes, Yao Yang um, shared his story with, um, if, if your listeners are familiar with the StoryCorps project, uh, StoryCorps is a storytelling project. It's across the country, it's very likely globally now, but um, uh, people hear StoryCorps stories on Morning Edition on Friday mornings, um, and also you can go to their website, it's amazing, and find stories from anyone. All these stories are archived at the Library of Congress, and so... Um, StoryCorps has a couple different special initiatives, one of them being the Military Voices Initiative. And StoryCorps nationally had reached out to WPR to see if we wanted to air some of these veteran stories, um, veterans who live in Wisconsin and share their stories on our airwaves. It was a natural fit to partner with them through Wisconsin Life. And so Yao Yang actually spoke with WPR's Rick Ryer uh, to talk about his experience about serving in Iraq and um, serving as a U.S. soldier who's also Hmong. And in that clip, he talks about how, you know, he essentially says he made a deal with God and said, if I can get out of Iraq alive, I will start a church when I go back to the U.S. And I and that's what he did. He ended up starting a church in, um, I think it's in Merrill, Merrill mm -hmm. or Wausau mm -hmm. area. And so it's just really interesting to hear his journey and his thought process behind serving in the military, how that experience influenced his life and now how, you know, all that is, you know, having a huge impact on other people within central Wisconsin. It's a really fascinating story. And it's, um, it's, I just, I love hearing stories like that, like hearing how little moments in time can make a huge difference in someone's life. The author, B.J. Hollers, always has some really um, wonderful oh, yeah. things to share. He had this fantastic reflection on a time he was moved by a particular work of avian art. Let's listen to that. As I opened the folder and held the sketches in my hands, I could feel a bit of both artist and subject alongside me. What must it have been like, I wonder, to watch a species disappear before his eyes? And what must it have been like to be the last of her kind, offering her call only to hear the echo call back? This is such a lovely piece. It's about the ivory-billed woodpecker, which is also known as the Lord God Bird. Do you know why it's called the Lord God Bird? 
Oh gosh, if you asked me a couple years ago, I'd remember the answer, but I, I can't remember it right now. Oh, that's now, okay. Shereen. That's okay. What do you, you love? Do you what, know? Uh, no, I no, I don't. <laughs> I think. Oh, wait, I think. Okay, I don't even want to say it because this might be wrong. That's okay. Never mind. Oh yeah, here it is. No, it's because people when they would see it, they would say, uh, they like sometimes people would say, "Lord God," because they were so rare. Oh, and and I think they were thought to be extinct, and then they now there now there have been some sightings across the it's like the world. yeah, it's but they haven't been able to prove it. But some people think it's amazing when you read about the people who are still searching for this woodpecker. It's really beautiful. What do you and love? It takes a lot of patience. What do you love most about this piece? This oh my gosh, Shireen, I cannot listen to this piece without crying. I it's so beautiful the way he writes about these drawings but then he's talking about this bird itself and when you hear about this bird and you know how it's just extinct but again there's still people kind of holding on for hope that it might still exist it breaks my heart it but it but it's also just full of so much love and at the end of this piece I was able to get permission um from uh the Cornell Lab of Ornithology to use like one of the few audio recordings of ivory build woodpecker and so bj tells his story and then you hear the sound of this bird call from like the 1920s and it's just it pierces my heart every time um but bj just has such a beautiful way of writing about these really almost simple moments in life like sure we could all go to a library and look at some uh paintings of birds and have a nice experience but yeah. i could never write as beautifully as he does about that experience um yeah the way so, he yeah, writes this is just it's yeah, it ma- it's goosebumpy. It it, it just is. it makes you feel something that's yes. that's just beyond reading it. Hearing uh-huh. it is something yeah. completely different. Absolutely. And so, you know, he'll write stories like this which bring on the goosebumps, bring on the tears, are just so full of just deep emotion, but he's also really great at writing about these happy, joyful moments with his family. He actually, this will be a fun fact for you. He just sent me a batch of like four or five new Wisconsin life stories. So we'll be hearing more from BJ Hollers over the year. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, that particular piece um, was born out of the annual birds and art exhibit at the Liaki Woods and Art Museum. That was the basis for it. That is a big annual tradition in, in Wausau. But another annual tradition that, to me, is something that is so synonymous with Wisconsin traditions, the world's largest trivia contest. I mean, this is going on for about as long as I can remember. And one Wisconsin Life segment featured a veteran trivia player, uh, Pat, who offers a firsthand explanation of what it's all about. Let's listen to that. My brother and his brother-in-law, they started the first their first team in 1984. They had a good time, and so they invited me over. So then in 85, I came over and I played, and uh, I just loved it. How did you get connected with Pat in the first place? Do you recall? So this, Well, this story was actually done by my predecessor, Erica Janik, who um, I do not know how she got connected, but I do remember when she did the story at the time, um, Erica is such a curious person. She comes from a history background. She's written a number of books. And uh, I just remember her being like, what's up with the uh, the trivia in Stevens Point? I'm just going to go find out more. And I remember hearing this uh, as I was still a reporter and just thinking, trivia in Stevens Point? How do I get involved? How do I do this? Can I take a weekend to go play? Um, 
so it's like another example of how you can take this like hyper local phenomenon. I mean, I know there are people from across Wisconsin that participate, but you know, when this first aired in 2014, I believe I didn't know it existed. And so I just think it's such a cool way to, to be able to talk about these things that are such a big deal to people. I mean, I imagine that if you're involved in the trivia game, like this is something you plan weeks, if not months for. Oh, I, I think so. I, 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 I've heard from, it's so cool. I don't do it myself, but I, I always want to, and I know I'm not, I'm going to fail miserably. Well, maybe you I and I need to start a team. <laughs> maybe we do. Maybe we do. I'm I just, in. I love that because it really, it, hearing his experience communicates something about the magic of the event that, that you really can't know unless you hear it from, from somebody who really knows. Absolutely. And that's like, I know I said this earlier, but one of the beautiful things that I love about radio is just how the emotion is able to come through, like his excitement in talking about this trivia game. It's like, I mean, you can't escape it. It's amazing. And I love that that energy is is able to come through on the radio through a story like this. Uh, I love it too. Jill Sisson Quinn is another author who um, who has been involved in this. She loves spending time at Rib Mountain State Park, which is, of course, outside of Wausau. And this piece, she reflects on a hike with her young son. I want my son to take the long view. I don't deny what we appreciate in the rock, its consistency of form, being itself, over such an unimaginable period of time. What attracts you most to her stories what do you love most Jill's, oh my gosh I love how she is able to take her obvious love of nature her obvious love of her son and she's done a couple stories on this now and and she blends the love of them together and you know watching her son's relationship with nature evolve especially as he is growing up um and it's almost like you can hear how she's learning to reappreciate these different moments in time with nature. Um, you know, she does it with Rib Mountain. She did it with um, a story about just these different lakes that she goes and swims in with her son. Um, and I love that. And I have a new son too. So when I hear these stories, I now have a new relationship with these stories too. Like I've always loved her stories. And now I have a kid and I'm like, oh man. A I'm whole different layer. A whole other layer of the story now too, right? And so it's really cool how I can connect with it in different ways. And I'm sure listeners are able to connect with her stories in different ways too. But ultimately it comes down to love and appreciation and almost just looking at these things that are in front of us all the time with this new set of eyes and this new set of like this newfound appreciation for things. So I really enjoy that because it makes me think like, oh, Maybe I need to go to Rib Mountain and spend more time there, you know? Exactly. Do you have other favorites of hers that, that uh, come to mind? I know that, um, you know, she, she's done a number of, of pieces and I think just wonderful stuff. Yeah, she wrote another story about um, just this hike that she went on and, like, her son falls down and she's trying to, like, kind of, like, how much do I put myself in there and help him out or let him figure it out. Uh, again, since my kid is one and a half years old, something I'm really struggling with right now. <laughs> and so to hear that story and like, okay, how do I think about these things too? I really appreciate that as well. Some of the stories that um, are told in Wisconsin life overlap with Wisconsin. 
Um, yes. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about Wisconsin and, and what's is there a relationship between the two projects or does it just yes. happen that way? Okay. Well, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not to like get bogged down in bureaucracy. Um, Wisconsin is a project that I helped start a handful of years ago. Um, it is essentially the, the, the punchline is uh, you ask and we answer. So it's a way to bring the audience into WPR's programming in kind of a more simplified way. Like we're really lucky on WPR. So on the different talk shows, people can call in and ask questions and give their opinion on things. Obviously there's social media, so people can weigh in on uh, their thoughts on different news stories online. Um, but this is a way for listeners and our audience to really drive what it is that we're covering. Um, I believe deeply in the mission of Wisconsin Public Radio in serving our audience and serving the public. And so this is like a, a, a really fun and accessible way for people to do things. So for example, um, a lot of the stories that come through Wisconsin, they can run the gamut. So our first story we ever did for Wisconsin was What's Up with Story Lords? This was a, a show that was shown in, um, a television show that was shown in like schools across the country, but it was made here in in Wisconsin. And so I dug into the history of Story Lords. Um, so it could be also like, um, what does Wisconsin mean? Where does the word Wisconsin come from? What's up with cheese heads? Why do people in Wisconsin wear cheese heads? Um, and then it can, you know, it, the news team started really using it a lot more, especially as the pandemic kicked in. So when people had questions about COVID and vaccines and all those kinds of things, uh, the news team was able to really tackle those questions that, you know, they were learning on the fly sure. too. Well, I'm so really, it's a really excited. Great way to connect with people. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited because next week uh, on Route 51, we're going to share some of our favorite Wisconsin yes. stories, and we're going to hear a lot more about that initiative. So, uh, yes. looking forward to that as well. WPR's Wisconsin Life Executive Producer Maureen McCollum is with us today on Route 51 as we continue this discussion on that program. She will stay with us. And just ahead, WPR Assistant News Director Rob Menser will join in to share his experience on the project. And we welcome your story ideas, too. You can call us at 800-780-9742 or email ideas at WPR.org. I'm Shereen Seward. This is Route 51 on Wisconsin Public Radio. Listening to Route 51, I'm Shereen Seward, continuing our look at WPR's Wisconsin Life and the stories told about life in the Badger State. Your Wisconsin Life story suggestions are also welcome at ideas at WPR.org, or you can call us today at 800-780-9742. Executive producer Maureen McCollum stays with us for the rest of the hour, and we're also joined by WPR Assistant News Director Rob Menser who has worked directly on the Wisconsin Life Project. Rob, thanks for joining. Hi, Shereen. Thank uh, you. Yeah, so tell us about your role. How'd you get involved in this? And 
Well, so I think about this, you know, so in my role as a, a assistant news director, right, we, we think about what is the news value of a given story? Does it affect a lot of people? Are uh, lives at stake? Is it uh, relevant to some sort of you know, public policy debate or whatever. But the truth is the world is full of stories and not all of them uh, sort of sort of meet those criteria. And so, you know, I, I look, you know, for news coverage, you've got to have certain um, cer- certain news judgment that, that goes along with that. But sometimes you encounter a story that is just a great story. Mm-hmm. And uh, and to me, uh, I think Wisconsin Life is an opportunity for our reporters or for me personally to um, to tell stories that are more personal that may have um you know that just that just are are maybe out of the ordinary that are more of a a profile of a person or and putting people in a place giving people an experience in a way that maybe doesn't always like fit this sort of strict news criteria but which is really interesting and fun for what it is maureen what do you think that makes the perfect wisconsin life story oh gosh i think Honestly, good writing, good sounds, a connection to people. Like I often say to people, there's no such thing as a bad story idea. It's up to us to turn it into a great story. Um, So I think like in my world, anything goes, but how are we going to get there in order to make it interesting to people? And yeah, sometimes it's writing. Sometimes it's getting great sounds to go along with it. Rob, I love the story about your search for Wisconsin's oldest tree. Here's a brief clip from that. In September, Jody sent me a message on Facebook. Hi, Rob, she wrote. I was wondering if you ever found that tree. We're having a small field trip to go see it, and I wondered if you'd like to come along. I tried to play it cool, but yeah, I wanted to come along. Okay, tell tell us about this. What was it about finding the state's oldest tree that intrigued you so much? Love a good love a good quest story, right? <laughs> yeah. the, um, uh, so this was based on. So I I thought it would be f- interesting and fun to find out what the oldest tree in the state of Wisconsin was. And definitely I was imagining, a, you know, this like a majestic uh, white oak um, in the Wisconsin's Northwoods or whatever. But what turned out to be the case is that the oldest tree in Wisconsin that we know about is this little scrubby little birch tree that is growing out of the side of a cliff in uh, in, in Brown County. And uh, that in itself was such a sort of a twist that, um, that, that, that fascinated me. And I went on a literal years long quest to, uh, to, to lay eyes on this, uh, on this little uh, scrubby little tree that happens to be thousands of years old. What was your reaction when it was kind of not as majestic as you thought it was going to be? This is the whole thing, right? This is the the secret of this tree. (laughs) (laughs) Is that that it is a, where it's growing is a terrible place to grow. It's growing out of the side of this like big, tall cliff um, uh, on the Niagara Escarpment. But, um, but because it, where it's growing is such a terrible spot, it means that the tree doesn't get uh, uh, struck by lightning and it doesn't get cut down for for lumber and uh, it, so on and so forth, right? And so, so it absolutely, was it anticlimactic to actually see it? Yes, it was. There's nothing special <laughs> about this tree, really, but, um, but it was also, uh, um, it's also so fascinating and a little story about like 
life and 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 you know yeah and persistence to, yeah and and to me too about things not always being what you might expect them to be not what they what they seem maureen what do you love most about this story well i remember when rob pitched this story and he's like so I think I found the oldest tree in Wisconsin, and I just said, sold. <laughs> like, just say no more. You're going to do a great job with it. Um, and I remember Rob talking about how there were like 12 different angles you were pursuing with this. And I think ultimately we came down to, okay, what's like you met all these interesting people along the way in finding this tree that could have turned into their own stories. But it's like, okay, at the end of the day, though, we got to talk about this tree. And like you said, who doesn't love a great quest story? So I think the build up to saying we found the oldest tree, but actually it's this really tiny tree. Uh, I think it's just amazing. I mean, but and and I don't know how many people have probably seen this tree and just have no idea. And of course, we can't tell people where the tree is because uh, someone might hurt it. Sure, but yeah, it is um, on private property. It requires a hike. We we got permission. Um, to uh to take that hike but yeah it's true it's not a it's not sort of a like a, a sure publicly visiting <laughs> <laughs> i'm teasing yeah you. right <laughs> but yeah just any story to to think about how old this space really is too you know so many of our stories take place within the last month take place within 50 years if we're lucky so to to think about a tree that's thousands of years old and i i think it's just really beautiful a lot of the Wisconsin life stories, to me, evoke this sense of nostalgia. They kind of bring back memories from our younger days or remind us of those things that we find less frequently than we used to, like the ice cream truck. And Rob, you had a great story about this woman's experience with her ice cream truck. Here's a brief piece from that. It's fun for me. It's, it's my, I can be myself. I'm my boss. I have nobody telling me what to do. But, yeah, I think it's just I like meeting people, and I like having the kids have fun. Even the music, the ice cream truck music, immediately takes me back to my childhood. It reminds me of when my, my kids were small. How did you find out about this? So this is a woman who has driven an ice cream truck around Wassa for decades. Uh, I absolutely bought my kid uh, uh, ice cream bars from uh, when the ice cream truck would come around. And um, and the, how I found out about it was I saw on uh, social media that she was uh, retiring. She was selling the truck. And I thought, well, we should, like, let's talk to her about her uh, decades of driving around and having kids run out and follow around the, the ice cream truck. And the other thing about this story, you know, and so, several of, I think, others of the stories that, that you've highlighted this hour, um, it, was an, it was also an opportunity. This was a, a, a formal opportunity. I, I did, we created this story so that my voice is not in it. Uh, it's all it's only her voice and the sounds of her um, ice cream truck. And so that is also, I think, is a is a sort of a, a staple of Wisconsin life. Right. Is the yes. the style of story that is um, that isn't about a sort of the news reporter. It is about the just sharing the voice of this interesting person. When you're we editing- call this the audio postcard it is my favorite way to tell a story. And it is 
a challenge to put together, but it is very fun. Well, I can imagine it's a challenge to put together because when you're editing somebody's story, you, you, I mean, you get a mound of material, right? Something so personal like that, how do you, how do you know it's important to keep? Sure. Well, so she told stories. She she gave anecdotes from her time uh, when her little daughter would ride around and yell at the window, free ice cream. <laughs> free ice cream. <laughs> so, so, so there were some things that um, that I, I, I wanted to keep as anecdotes. But you know what? In that conversation, she also spoke about the um, about her values in a in what I found to be a really interesting sort of moving way. She she the, the woman who drove the truck had grown up in without money uh and um and she talked about having kids come up to the truck and say that they didn't they couldn't afford they didn't have the money and uh and sometimes she'd say it's okay here you go mm-hmm. uh and the, the so there were so there were both um elements to that to the story that were um i thought just sort of fun and nostalgic but also like there was it, i hope if it was successful i hope that it actually showed you something about what kind of person she was mm-hmm Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love stories like this where you, you know, it's someone that you interact with uh, maybe on a regular basis, like someone who works at a gas station or, you know, someone selling ice cream. You don't know who they are in their personal life. And Rob was able to really dig into who she was. And again, a local celebrity that many of us outside of Wausau aren't going to know, but we're going to love hearing about Sue and learning about her life. Well, some of the stories uh, Wisconsin Life shares connect us not just to events happening or or like this ice cream truck uh, being sold, but also our our cultural heritage, um, and I, I think that's really an interesting way to illustrate where we come from and and the connections. This one from Rob about a metal worker and his sons uh, is was really very cool. Let's hear it. Boleslav still feels a connection to his great-uncle's blacksmith shop in southeastern Poland, and he takes pride in the fact that his work will last. When I was young, I couldn't believe it that cars, you know, rusted out like they do in that planned obsolescence thing. I really have the attitude that my my work is time-transcending, that it'll be around a very long time. So tell us about the story, Rob. Sure. Boleslav Kukanowski uh, works with his sons on do, in a metalworking shop in Stevens Point, and they work on, you know, they'll, they will make custom uh, iron work for a, a, a banister or a railing, you know, in someone's, someone's house or cabin. But they also make these very large-scale sculptures, and um, they're artists. And I got to spend a day in the shop. I got to eat a... Uh, 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 quite amazing Polish uh, lunch with the nice. with the family. That's <laughs> a, little, a perk. Little, little side, yeah. yeah, a little benefit, uh, and um, uh, and and see how they how they work together as a as this family, and how they they do their their, their metalworking. And it was really it really was a interesting um, portrait as well because this is it's this it gets to it's Wisconsin life you know and there's a there's a sense of place but also Boleslav is very connected to his um to his own Polish heritage and and his immigrant story of his father as it was uh, which was the case and uh and spoke a lot about his connection to um to the family tradition of metalworking it was really interesting 
And there was also a timely hook to this. Uh, there was the sculpture that he created was about to be dedicated at Pifner Pioneer Park. Did it start out as a news story and turn into something else? Do you re- do you recall? I think that actually was the case. Yes, and I do think that's that is something that 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 happens right in the in the news department is uh, a, a story. You know, because reporters, I'll have these conversations with reporters all the time, right? Here's something I'm looking at. Here's something that's happening. And um, and sometimes it's, you know, the the line, it's not a, like a black and white divide, right? Sometimes it sort of could be a news feature uh, that here's this unveiling of this new sculpture. You could you could sort of make that work. But, um, but in taking it the, you know, going the route of a Wisconsin Life feature and working with Maureen, uh, it was an opportunity to to maybe take on the story in a little bit more personal way, I guess. And the story to me was kind of a, a multi-sensory experience because he talks about the, the smells and he talks about the sounds. And I mean, the clear pride that he takes in the details of his work. Maureen, what stands out to you about that story? Yeah, exactly that. Um, you know, it's really important to me uh, to really be able to transport the listeners to that space with the person being featured or with that reporter. So the way that Rob was able to bring out those details of those stories is really uh, quite beautiful, but also it's really transports you. And that's amazing that we're able to do that. Um, I love this story because once again, um, you know, I remember sometime like around the time you had pitched this Rob, I had driven through Stevens point and I saw the sign that they made. And I think I texted Rob and I was like, oh, I saw it. It's the guys that you're going to be talking <laughs> sure. with. And so it was cool for me as someone who doesn't live in Stevens Point to see this piece of art and then know, oh, these are the guys, I know the guys that created that because of Rob's story. Like, so you have like an even deeper connection to this beautiful work of art. Like, you know what it took to make it, you know who made it, you know more about them. And I just think that that's really wonderful. Metalworking is good for the radio as well, right? It's like one yes. one form of art that you can really hear each stroke. Yes. yes, absolutely. Well, we only have about I don't know thirty seconds or so in our time left together, but I, I guess I'm curious about how important it is to you to preserve these stories and to con- continue these traditions um, by producing them. It's incredibly important. I mean, like I said before, I think these Wisconsin life stories are ways that we can come together as Wisconsinites and just better understand one another. We don't have to agree, but maybe we can just appreciate the differences in one another more and just learn a little something. Absolutely. And is there a story that you really want to do that you haven't done yet? Is there like a holy grail that's out there? Oh, I can't possibly. <laughs> couldn't possibly divulge. I just think Wisconsin... Bring it on, Rob. <laughs> Wisconsin is a has such a sense of place. And I do think that Wisconsin Life does a great job of giving people a sense of what, you know, what Wisconsin life in Wisconsin is. This is Route 51. I'm Shereen Seward, extending a sincere thanks to our guests, Rob Menser and Maureen McCollum. Our producers are Joy Rutchkramer and Kate Spranger. Our executive producer is Rick Ryer. Joy is also our on-air producer today. Thanks to John Altenberg for the Route 51 theme. You can hear the archive of today's program and our previous programs at wpr.org route 51. If you have an idea for a future program, email us at ideas at wpr.org because we would love to hear from you. Next week, we'll be back with another fascinating discussion, and we hope you'll join in. Until then, we're heading out of town. <laughs>